Welcome to Talking Far, Far Away. The Force is with you, young Skywalker. You are not a Jedi yet. Join Brick City Blockade as we discuss the canon of a galaxy far, far away. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Talking Far, Far Away on this post-Rebels era of uh, Star Wars and sitting across the pond from me is someone who's stuck in the snow with no power and uh, has very cold apparently, Mr. Robin Bolt. Hey Scott, how's it going my friend? Uh, yeah, no, it, it's kind of nice because we're back into this and uh, the best part is here is that power's back, we're able to do this recording guys and uh, let me say this much, I don't like being left out in the cold. I don't like the idea of Hoth-like conditions being outside my window. It's a very unsafe environment. I do not like the idea of having to slice open tauntauns and sleep inside of them. And until I keep going on to this rant, let's get into the first topic here, Scott. Well, I feel sorry for you, but we had it last week, so ah, tough one. Uh, so, yeah. you, guys, you guys have a hard time. Let me just say this, Scott, okay, before we get into this. Okay. Oh, here right. we go, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Um, no. Let me say this. All right. I saw the pictures you were sending me. All the people who are listening right now. Scott was sending pictures from Scotland of, like, basically, like, six inches of snow that had fallen down on the ground. All right. It was worse than that. We had the beast of the east. <laughs> nice Rebels recap uh, throw in there. Um, no. You sent me. Oh, fine. Okay. Six to ten inches. I'll make it within a realm of possibility that it was higher. But. You sent me the pictures, and I was looking at it, and you're like, do you, what do you guys do in America when you have this much snow? How can you live? And I'm like, dude, we still do a ton of stuff. We go in like 24 inches of snow and still go to the grocery store. And you were saying, Scott, that people were still going out in, in the middle of this thing going shopping. Well, yes, but also I, I, my work was closed like for two days, um, two and a half days, actually. And... The roads were like, people get blocked, cars were getting stuck, but right. we're not used to it over here, that's why. Yeah. This is not Star Wars talk now, this is weather talk. Yeah. Um, so we're not used to it. This, that's only like a once in a blue moon kind of occurrence in this United Kingdom where we don't have weather like that. Right. It was all because apparently the, the isobars, whatever it was, were coming down and that's what caused it all. Oh, so there was science involved. There was science involved, and I'm not going to go through that science. <laughs> <laughs> What's on the docket for this episode, Scott? Well, we're going to talk a few, a few things. So one, we're going to talk about Rebels. Mm-hmm. Just briefly, though, because we'll do the recap with me, Robin, Brian, and hopefully Chris and Sean and Jared. Everybody who's watched it, there's the final one, so we want to try to get as many people as possible. Yep. And there'll be a lot to talk about. A lot mm-hmm. to talk about. And we're going to talk about Collider. And every mm. time town hall talk, we've got a wee bit. Rob and I have both been discussing that. We're kind of <laughs> quickly mentioned. Sure thing. John Farrow, big announcement. I'm quite excited about it. We've all been, we're all quite excited about the network and Canon. And it's something that it was brought up on Collider General Council by Christian Harloff. He's mentioned it a few times. You and I have spoken many times. Oh, for sure. And Ken Knapsack, who's a good friend of the show, he has been talking about it so yeah as was coming up so let's start off rebels we're in the post rebels era mm. how do you how do you feel now we have no more rebels because man i was up at half past five to watch it 
and I was crying. <laughs> I was literally crying in that uh, last two minutes. I'm not going to spoil it, but yeah. I was crying in that last two minutes. It was just there's there's a few things. Yeah, fair enough. It's it's a kids show, so you kind of have that kid feel in it. But again, we it it just it, it, I can't say it words, but I was just so sad. It's over. It yeah. means a lot to me. This this show. Well, it's it's meant a lot to the Star Wars fans, Scott. I think you said that perfectly, is that, you know, Star Wars Rebels has become a a home base for us when it comes to Star Wars content for so long. I mean, we're talking about, you know, it's everybody looks at it, it's like, oh, it was just a four-season run. It was more than a four-season run, guys. This was a cult. This was a following within Star Wars. Um, mm-hmm. These stories are so universal and so impactful when it comes to canon, which, of course, we'll get into later. But... I, I, I can't say it enough. The, the amount of content that this series cranked out and the amount of emotion that it was able to propel forward for the fandom was huge. I just talked about it this week with Andrew Merton Garrish, of course, good friend of the podcast network, on our Knights of the Order discussions. And one of the main things that he brought up during our discussion was that when we're talking about Star Wars Rebels and we're talking about this, these final two episodes, um, let me say this much. The first one, the first part of it for me was just, yeah, okay, so we're getting ready to wrap this thing up. It's just kind of a warm-up for what was to come. But the minute we got into that second episode, when we got into the the beef, I'm going to say, of what these two episodes were all about, trying to wrap this thing up, um, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I, I probably earned a, uh, a bounty um, subscription from the amount of to- paper towels, because I ran out of t- regular towels to use to wipe off my face, I had to go to paper towels um, to <laughs> don't make that face. Our listeners don't even need to know what face that was. Um, but it was just so emotional. It was so impactful that it was just hard as a Star Wars fan to say, wow, this is the end. But at the same time, Scott, so much happened in those last, I'm going to say, 10 minutes of that show. Yeah. That just set up Star Wars for the long run and did it in a way. I want to hear your thoughts because I had this discussion already and I'm tired of talking about it. I want to hear the Scott Inch, Mr. Scotland himself, his opinion. Uh, yeah, the last 10 minutes. It's, um, we've all watched it. Well, those that have caught up with Rebels, not everybody in the network's caught up with it. Right. Um, but as I've caught it, we've, we've spoke about what we all think the, sp- the next show's going to be. Mm-hmm. And it kind of, to me, kind of gave a hint of what it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to say, we'll discuss that on when we do the Rebels recap. Um, but yeah, I was like, yeah, I was, it was emotional. I was, because it's the final episode, anything can happen to these characters. Any TV show where it's the final episode, anything can happen. Yeah. So um, I, my heart was beating. I was like, I don't want to hear them to die because we just lost Kena. <laughs> I think I said to you, uh, sent a message out to you saying, we've just lost Kieran and we've lost uh, Luke this, uh, just in the last year. I, I, it's too much. It's far too much. I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take it anymore. Um, so, yeah, um, the last 10 minutes, oh, that just sealed it for me. Um, I just don't know where it's going to go next. Um, but you're right about the content. This show has gave us so much content, not just in this like the TV show, it's gave us content for the Canaan comment and it's gave us content for the New Dawn. Yeah. So we've we've been lucky, um, and it means so much to the community. Uh, 
and I have a personal touch because I was able to see Dave Lowney at, at Celebration and be able to see like the first episode of season three at Celebration. So to me, right. that's kind of got a wee nice, more connective tissue for me uh, that way. But um, yeah, I just, I can't wait to discuss it with everybody else when we do Rebels Recap. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope Ryan and everybody is ready for some of the uh, theories that I have uh, concerning some of the ending pieces there. Again, I talked about them with Andrew a little bit, but I'm going to get more into it when we have our discussion because I feel like, be curious to hear your thoughts on this, Scott, because I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this, um, that those last two minutes not only sealed the deal for future canon content and future of what Star Wars might get into, but... In the long run, what it's done now is it's taken these characters, like Dave Filoni does best, and yeah. puts them on the shelf in a way yeah. where now we can pick and choose them. Yeah, okay, we're going to pick and choose them for canon content in comic books. We're going to use them in canon content in terms of novels. Even more importantly, and I'll touch upon this more in future episodes, we're going to pull some of these people from the shelf and use them in the cinematic universe. That is the one piece that I'm really, really excited about that I would love to see happen. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think, um, especially putting them on the shelf, um, I don't want to say too much because of, what, because of a certain point, um, but maybe appearing in episode nine, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because we, we have that opportunity now. Again, we'll get into that discussion later whether that will happen. Um, right. Because that's a that's a frustrating point. But um, I I definitely loves to put these characters on the shelf. He did it with Ahsoka, yeah, and then brought her back, and then he left her again, and then brought her back, yeah. So he's done it twice, three times. Um, so yeah, I think we are going to get these characters again. It's just a question of when we'll get these characters again. Um, Again, I'm not going to say too much because it's still fresh and some people might have not seen it. But it is, well, Thursday night, so yeah, that's when we right. do, this, do this by the weekend, a lot of people have seen it. And uh, we can finally go into a wee bit more detail about that last two part, two minutes of the, the episode. Which, uh, it does open up a ton of new stories, a ton of uh, scenarios and different ideas. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how that conversation plays out and how... Uh, Curious to hear, really, Brian Fontaine and Mr. Christopher James Letty's perspective on a lot of this, especially Chris with Ahsoka. That is the one piece. I think we're going to get some fanboying. I think we're going to get some tears out of that guy. I'm not saying he's all the, always emotional, but um, mm. I'm pretty sure that Chris probably, when he saw her, was like, <laughs> just I just want to see Brian cry. <laughs> yes. I just Brian yes. cry. Yeah, or, or what, is the, what is the one thing that Brian always says? He's like, oh, I, I, I think I just got something a little bit in my eye. It's, it's just, yes. little, it's like, come on, come on, dude, you cried. Come on, come on. Brian, I know you're listening. Come on. You okay. just don't, don't let it out. 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 Come on, it's okay. Let it out. It's, <laughs> it's going to be an interesting episode. I cannot <laughs> wait for that. You guys are in for a treat. Scott, what's next on the docket here, my friend? That's like we're going to have to talk about it. John Farrow. Yes. has been approached to talk a, I haven't quite read it quite yet, but to develop the live action Star Wars series. Now, this was mentioned before Christmas that yeah, this was coming. Um, and now the Disney streaming service coming out next year. I don't know if that's coming over to the UK. I know we've got some right. kind of thing over here. I don't know whether 
we will get it or it'll just be going to Netflix. I know CBS, like with their Star Trek show, they've got it on Netflix around the world, but it's only on CBS in America. Right. So I don't know how this is going to work. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Again, that's more money to spend if it comes over here. But <laughs> that's right. It will be worth the money. I think Disney is worth the money for stuff like that. So, yeah, we've got John Favreau. The question is what this live action series is going to be about. Mm. And the reaction, I haven't had a chance to look at a lot of the reactions. I know some of you guys have uh, because I was working when the news broke. So, I, judging by it, a lot of people are pretty annoyed, maybe. Uh, maybe yeah. that's just from what you guys have mentioned. I don't know, do you, what have you read so far that can kind of change my mind or kind of like, hopefully it can change people's minds. But let's not forget, John Favreau is one of the masterminds of helping to launch the MCU. John Favreau is one, is like you said, Scott, is one of those people that, you know, as Star Wars fans, I think we have to be excited about. Um, he is the Kickstarter to the MCU. He is the guy who really, I mean, you talk about Iron Man. It's still one of my favorite MCU films. Um, it's still one of my favorite overall comic book films. Everything that he was able to do with that franchise and also being able to bring it into the next generation so that somebody like Disney could acquire somebody like Marvel. There's enough, you know, it gives it enough levity that another property can come in or another company can come in and say, you know what, we're really interested in this product and we're interested in building these conversations, discussions, and also putting out more films in the near future, which is so important. And right now with Star Wars, I think what has really frustrated me with some of the opinions online, and again, I say this all the time, guys, you know, if you have an opinion, you're more than welcome to share it. You're more than welcome. That's what social media's platform is. But again, when you start directly tweeting out people, and you start attacking them because of their opinion, and you go on Facebook, and you start posting these negative things, you go on YouTube, you post in the negative comments. I've already seen that on some of the Collider stuff. I've seen it on some of the Star Wars Explained stuff. I've seen it across the board over the last couple weeks. And my message to that specifically is that... John Favreau has been chosen for a reason to come on to this project. Diversity um, in terms of producers, directors, executives, whoever they're associated with, within this Disney property, within anything that Lucasfilm is doing going forward. There's always a grand scheme. There's always a plan that's associated with what Lucasfilm chooses to do. And I think Favreau is one of those people that if you put them him specifically in a role where it's like, hey, you can take on the series, but while you're in the process, we're going to bring in some of these young, fantastic directors, producers, whether they're African-American, Latino, Asian. Bring them in and have them have those experiences with very, very well, um, well-versed directors, you could say, people who understand cinematography. Have those experiences. Build it from the ground up. I make the reference to baseball all the time. It's, it's like you're starting down in single A, which is the minor leagues, and you're working your way up to the major leagues. It's the same thing when it comes to film in the film industry. George Lucas had to start himself at the very bottom and work his way up. Bradford mm -hmm. Young, who's the cinematographer associated with Han Solo, fantastic African-American cinematographer, started from the bottom and worked his way up to become the person that he is, obviously behind Selma and Arrival. My message is simple, guys. Go on social media. Share your perspective, but also be respectful of those who are actually doing the reporting of the news. And also, look forward to this guy. 
again, go back and watch Iron Man and imagine that in a Star Wars format. It'd be absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I mean, he also did the Jungle Book. Yeah, that's right. And let's not forget, that was all filmed on a soundstage, not in an actual jungle, mm. with one, only one actor in the movie. That's if crazy. you know what, not voice actors, but one person yeah. to go do all this. If he can do that, and he pulled it off, I mean, I love the Jungle Book. Did you see the Jungle Book? Yes, I absolutely loved everything about it cinematically. Yeah, so... I mean, he can pull this off, and let's all forget, he managed to get Robert Downey Jr. He had to actually push to get that guy to be Iron Man. Like, the studios were like, no, no, no. But he actually got them to do it. And let's just think, without Robert Downey Jr. as well, there would be no MCU. Yeah, that's right. So, he he knows who he's looking for. He knows talent. Um, even though he was in French for a number for a few episodes back in the nineties, you're a yep. bit too young for that, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, I, I like we always say, George Lucas. We all worship at the the altar of George Lucas, but I I think we could also worship at the altar of John Favreau. He he's brilliant, and obviously he's going to be back in Avengers as well. That's right. Yeah, he's going to be uh, making his way back into the Avengers. And uh, I don't know, I, I think that the overall message from both of us here probably is that BrickCityBlockade.com Podcast Network supports diversity in Star Wars. We support every aspect of it, bringing on different people, bringing on different voices um, into these projects. Uh, but at the same time, remembering that they're choosing these people for the, re- for the right reasons. And they're bringing them in to set an example for others, for the younglings, you could say. Uh, in, within the Jedi Temple, not going as dark as I would like to at that point, but um, also making it possible that these people have a format for growth. Um, and John Favreau is a great example of that. And I think that's what Lucasfilm wants to embody in all their employees. And Brick City is such a supporter of everything that's going on over there right now. Um, listen, we're not in the pockets of them, trust me, but we are the people who are loving every second of it so we just want to make that really clear with the fans when we bring up john favreau and we bring up these directors coming on we do support diversity but at the same time remember it's about positivity it's about unity as community with that message so the next time we're going to talk about it i've only saw bits and pieces of it uh did you watch all of it it's the collider town hall yeah, little bits and pieces here. Certain parts that I kind of sat back and I was like, well, this is an interesting side of Collider that I have not yet seen. So Yeah, so they had... Well, originally Collider was part of Complex. Correct. And then I believe they now went independent. Mm-hmm. So they had Dennis, Steve Weintroff, Mark, I can't remember his last name, Christian Harlow, and they had the discussion... And it was a lot of the things a lot of the, the fans were concerned about. So, for example, movie talk. Mm. I'm not a fan of the new whole sliding shots movie talk. I right. don't like it. I don't like the new graphics. There's nothing wrong with the old graphics because then I could tell what was coming down the, the tube and go, oh, I'm looking forward to that story. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that story. Um, and I do kind of miss the hosts. I miss Ashley Mover's Happy Monday, guys. I love that. I love <laughs> Ashley Mover. Big shout out I, to her. Yeah, um, and so basically they, someone brought up, are they coming back and they don't want to do a host talking about like 
present the news and then having everybody else discuss it. I miss that because it gave a perspective on someone who doesn't, who never saw a lot of movies, wasn't right into it, but it gave an outside perspective, mm-hmm. uh, which was great because there are people who don't go to cinema that often mm-hmm. who who would like that opinion from someone, not someone who's always going to cinema all the time like you and me. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's sad not to see that. And then there was a wee bit of thing about how movie talk and Clyder came about in the first place, which yeah. caused a bit of stir online from somebody, but I'm not going to mention that. <laughs> but I was a bit taken back by it because I, from what I read and from what I heard, that was not how it came about. Um, so what else did I miss that they talked about? Well, I think the, the one thing that I will say about what Collider has been able to do because of John Campion, because of some of the people behind the scenes, I'm, yes. listen, I'm going to give all credit to John Campion because this guy was able to take it from the AMC movie days, bring in John Schnepp, bring in some of the great, great people associated with the original AMC days and bring them into the Collider video age. And yeah. John Campion was able to create, I'm, I'm going to say it, a legacy of YouTube format for news. Um, yeah. The original Collider format was universal, it was brand new, and it was something that we have not seen other than on regular television programming. When we come, you know, obviously the rundown, I love that, seeing what stories are on there. I used to love when we were getting closer to The Force Awakens and we were watching that. And we would see, oh, there's a Force Awakens tidbit, fourth way, fourth way you know, right down there on the line. We'd be yeah. looking forward to that. But hey, we have four other headlines to get to. And then having Sinead DeFries, having Ashley Mova, having um, some of these great female, just almost news readers on these programs were just absolutely fantastic. And it's such a universal format that I feel like from this Collider Town Hall, and Mark Ellis kind of cued into this here and there, I think he had his fair share of concerns at the same time, which I think is more than fair. I think if you're associated with a company or you're associated with a project, you have to question your own motive. You have to question your own tactics. You have to question the format in which you carry it out. We do it here all the time at Brick City Blockade. We're always saying, okay, how can we improve this? How can we twist the news here or twist the format in which we present the news to be able to fit the format in which makes the most sense for the fans by the fans? And going forward, I feel that this Collider Town Hall, there was a lot of discussion about, okay, Let's bring back TV talk. Let's bring back, you know, nightmares. Let's bring back some of these programs. But we're going to fit them in a way where we can also make them almost podcast and fit them into yeah. a digital format in a different way. And I like that approach, but at the same time, my, my, whole, my whole perspective from the Collider Town Hall, and I'm laughing about this because I kind of took a back seat on this, and I said to myself, I said, okay, so you're fixing a carriage that was never broken and has brand new wheels on it. Yeah. And that concerns me. Um, never fix something that doesn't need to be fixed because though it was a winning format. The views were there. John Campia had it up to a certain way where fans could watch it. And even though the comment section, that's always been an issue with Collider because there's always fans in there that are going to say their negative things. But when you have a specific format that allows for fans to take it to the next level, yeah, and you don't have that time to reflect. Obviously, they said it during the town hall here. Before I keep rambling, I'm going to close this thought out really quick. Um, but you know, there was a discussion during this town hall. Like, how are you going to mod- moderate the comments? Well, you can't. But what you can do 
is you can create a format where you can go into the comments sections or people sitting at the table can have their phones out while this thing is recording live. Go into the comments and say, hey, you know what? This person brought up a really good point. You know, it might be a little bit negative, but I think it's worth having a discussion at the very end about like a comment section. Let's reintroduce the whole idea of Twitter questions at the end. I've noticed more recently with Collider, they haven't really been getting to it as much. It's like two or three Twitter questions. Back in the day with John Campia, it was like 10 or 15 Twitter questions. He would really dig into the fans' comments. That's where the content needs to be. So my advice to Collider is please go back to, you know, go back to that original format. I know you want to progress, but sometimes the classic way is the best way. Kind of like the original mm. trilogy in Star Wars. The classic is yeah. the best way sometimes. Yeah, don't fix what is a broken indeed. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've kind of lost the wee bit of... It's the, the way movie talk's been done now, it's kind of... I've stopped watching it because of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just... I, I loved watching movie talk, but it's just... Oh, yeah. um, it hasn't... I've kind of lost interest in it. There was just... It, there was, there's a, the magic isn't there. Yeah, uh, once has there's there's something missing, and uh, I think John Campia did it right. He even though he had to go when he needed to go, sure. But I mean, it, it's a shame. It is a shame. Um, but I mean, I'll still watch stuff on it. Oh yeah, I could get that council. Um, mm. Also, when they started doing shows that were weekly, eh, not weekly, daily. That was just too much. Like okay. Heroes okay. was daily, and you kind of felt, well, how many episodes superhero news can you have in a day? And you know, it was, it was a lot, and you kind of have to take a step back and go, well, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. I don't know. Wait, see how it goes over the next few months for Collider. Maybe they might take on board some of the comments, some of the concerns that fans are having, and maybe change the format just a wee bit, or go back to some of the things that did work. Who knows? It's it's a guessing game. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's it's hard to really predict where um, they go forward with this. I mean, the town hall was built there as a way for fans to express their opinions, get their ideas out there, what things are working for them, what things are not. And that's some of the best things that we do. Expect Brick City coming up right around the corner here to do a lot of those heading into the end of 2018. We just booked a bunch of time dedicated to doing Comic-Con coverage. I've already sent all the inquiries and everything, so expect Brick City to be on the road for a lot of that stuff, and we're going to be catering our content to you, the fans. And I think that that's what Collider's trying to figure out. How do we do that in a way? And that was one of the things during the discussion, Scott. They said, we're going to conventions. We're going to New York Comic-Con. We're going to San Diego Comic-Con. We're going to Celebration. we got to find a way to tweak it so that fans are really engaged in our content the entire time. And that's tough, and it's something that we're trying to perfect, too. And I'm really excited because I feel like Collider could hit the note at the right time. They could hit something big, and they could run with it. But it has yet to be seen. And listen, I love Jedi Collider, or Collider Jedi Council. Let me, let me put that in the right statement um, so Ken doesn't come get after me on that one. Um, but <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, we love everything. We love that Christian's on there. We love that Ken is on there. We love it that, I mean, he just had Geek Girl Diva herself on uh, to discuss uh, Star Wars Rebels before the finale. Ashley Croson has had her on as well. Some of these great, great Star Wars voices um, within the community um, on social media. And I, and I just have to say that, you know, as, as fans of it, Scott and I, we're going to keep watching it. And we're going to keep enjoying every second of it. But at the same time, as fans, and to be honest with you, I'm going to say this now, 
Jedi Council was a real big, big influence in how Brick City formatted a lot of stuff. Um, and we look up to Collider for a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I think that if we can keep that format going in terms of how we've been able to do it, we can still look at Jedi Council. We could still look at Collider and say, that's the way to do it. They're, they're setting the standards for how content should be addressed to the fans. And until that happens again, I think we'll keep watching it. But just be aware, Collider, and those who watch, that you know, there's, there are times when we sit back and we say, hmm, okay, all right. And I, I think the town hall did that exactly. And I'm, and I'm glad that they did it in the long run. Yeah, yeah. Um, as I said, we'll wait to see. And we'll both keep watching. Oh, yeah. Watch, watch this space. Watch this space. <laughs> 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 so this is a big topic. You and I have been talking about it for a long, long time. You um, just mentioned Jedi Closing. I can't even say it. Now you've got me not saying I'm sorry. So, uh, Ken's going to kill all of us. Yes, well, he can kill you first. You're closer. Oh, okay, that's true. That's true. Uh, Jedi Council. Harlow brought it up. I think it was two weeks ago, or was it last week? It was last week last he brought week, it up. Yeah. And um, it's got. We were talking about it afterwards, and um, so yeah, canon. And yeah. as we mentioned earlier about rebels, for example with the characters where they are where they've been left off and I mentioned episode 9 would they put like say somebody like well we know Hera survives right? but let's use that for example Hera mm-hmm. um, and it's been talked about Thrawn surviving anyway so because Dave Lowney said that before the season's finished right would these characters get brought into the movies this is where you and I both agree on the books, the comics, the games. Um, what else? Um, and the TV shows. They have not been connected with the movies, but but there's stories that kind of connect it. So, for example, Battlefront 2, the second part of the DLC, mm-hmm. Resurrection, that kind of connects into episode 8. Right. But then I was thinking about it. Episode 8 was written and filmed in 2015 and started getting going into production in 2016. I think it was February. Yeah, just about. Yeah, so by that time, you've got Princess Leia, uh, Princess of Alderaan comes out last year. You've got uh, Battlefront 2. The question... My question to you for this is, because these games and books come out last year, they have to get written about a year in advance, is that cause where the problem might be lying? Is because the writers of these books and comics don't know what's happening already, if you know what I mean? Even though, yeah. do you, because they don't want the script maybe to get out? Yeah, I mean, I think along those lines... When you're talking about, I mean, I'm I'm staring at it right now. I'm looking at um, Bloodline. I'm looking at Empire's End. I'm looking at the Thrawn novel. I'm even looking at Alan Dean Foster's The Force Awakens novel. I mean, that thing had to be st- had to have started development even way before The Force yeah. Awakens came out. And I'm sure Alan. Well, he Dean, had, what's he that? Had to actually, he had he had to actually get the script. Yeah. For it, to write the novel. Right, and then then you're on that fine line of okay. We're, we're putting the trust 
in this script to Alan Dean Foster to take it and put it into a novel. And then the film comes out and then fans are like, oh, okay, interesting. And then they read the novel. Oh, okay, interesting. There's different things in here. Um, and I think that the whole perspective on the novels and the connection to their, may I say, brother or sister films um, in some way in terms of how they connect, um, I feel like, yes, you're giving the scripts to the authors. Um, yes, you're giving them the opportunity to take a look at this film before it's even put out on the big screen for the fans, and they really know what's going to happen way ahead of time. Um, I think that there has to be a change in format. I think that uh, the novels specifically, I think they do a great job of outlining specific parts yeah. of these films. But what bothers me a little bit is that when I go and I see the film, and then I go and see, you know, might go to my local bookstore and I see the novel sitting there and I go and I pick it up and I read it, I'm, I'm just getting a different vibe. I'm getting a very different vibe between the film and the book. And... Maybe that's because I've started the Last Jedi novel. Maybe that's because I've had the opportunity now to kind of dig into, after recently seeing The Last Jedi, again, um, finally going back to the novel that I just recently purchased and saying, okay, all right, the, the tone is a little bit different here. Um, obviously, that's the difference, again, between the novel and the film itself. And I think you bring up a really great point, Scott, which I know I've danced around it, but I'm going to give you the straight answer here is that um, I do think that it's such a big responsibility on these authors to hold that script and to use that script to, to develop their stories um, yeah. that sometimes it's, it, it puts a lot of pressure on these novels. It puts a lot of pressure on, you know, obviously a year out, they say, hey, guess what? The, the Last Jedi novel is going to be coming out after the film, you know, two or three months later. And then suddenly they turn around and they say, okay, well, guess what? In May, you're going to see the Han Solo film. We got novels coming out for that too. And there's this, just this block of time, especially we saw that even with The Force Awakens to a certain extent, that after The Force Awakens, it was like boom, 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 month after month. Okay, here's when these like, next three novels are coming out. Here's when the next four novels are coming out. And it was almost a canon overload in some way. Mm -hmm. And for these authors... Um, I feel like at some point there just there just has to be a break. There has to be a time when we're like, yep, you know what? The the stories stop here for a little bit. The the fans have gotten their canon content. Let's play it out with these television series. Let's play it out with different forms. Give these authors some time to just you know. I was talking to Michael Morisi about it during our interview with Black Star Renegades. He loves to write, but he's also got a life to live too and a kids to take care of. Um, so there's other aspects of life that get involved at the same time. And it's not that I don't love these authors and everything that they do, but you and I talk about it, Scott. The bridging of the canon to the films has been such, such a disappointment in many yeah. different ways. And I feel like the authors deserve a lot more credit, especially since they're holding the script. They, they deserve a lot more credit for the job that they have to do. So let's give these people a freaking break at some point. Yeah, I mean, there was Harlow brought up really, it was Holdo. Yeah. And for example, there's two characters. We'll use Holdo and we'll use Phasma. Mm -hmm. So with Holdo, even though Princess Leia, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, came as set 
She's was she fifteen, sixteen in that in that book? A wee bit younger. Yeah, fifteen or sixteen. Sixteen, and then you've got her what thirty, forty years later in um, the Last Jedi, mm-hmm. and Holdo's about the same age. And the character you see in that movie of Holdo is completely not like the one you read in the book. Yeah, it's the, different. The one the bit's a bit kind of airy, as I would say, airy fairy, like a wee bit ditzy. Mm-hmm. But again, she's got that char- She's got that kind of warmth character about her. You didn't feel that from Holdo in The Last Jedi. True. Because I read the book and then I watched the movie and I'm going, yeah, it doesn't feel like the character, but then you have to take into consideration it's a 40, 50 years, it's a 40 year time gap. Yeah, right. So a lot could have happened there between there and then. But then... Laura Dern was asked, I can't remember who by who, by who but it was in an interview for Promote the Last Jedi, and they didn't know, she didn't know at all that that character was in a book. Mm. And that is quite disconcerting for me to know that, well, this, character, this actress doesn't know about this book. Yeah. Um, but then, again, this book came out before the movie, before, after production on the movie. Right. So she can go back and change her performance. So would it have been easier if they had wrote this book while the movie was kind of production so that she could have got a proof copy to say, here's, here's the book, read it, and then maybe treat your performance around this character. But then again, you're talking about a character as a teenager in this book. And then we get Phasma. Phasma reading the comics in the book. Is it really the kind of Phasma that you're kind of picking up in the movie? Again, Phasma came in Force Awakens. The book came out last year, so it was written after The Force Awakens, because Force Awakens was put, uh, filming in 2014. So, yeah, that's about a three-year gap, two, three-year gap there. Um, and then when you get into Last Jedi, you barely saw her until you, you saw that deleted scene last night in the Star Wars show. So, my point, so the point I'm trying to make is... Are, is it worth doing books on these characters that are in the movies that they don't feel like they're the characters in the book? It's different with Tarkin because we know who Tarkin is from A New Hope. We saw Tarkin in Rebels and we saw Tarkin in the book. And the book does get him because that's the Tarkin. It's just, it's hard to connect it if the it's very frustrating because you're not getting that character that you're wanting and you're reading in the book but you're not getting in the movies at what point with this canon discussion and we're going of course we're going to continue this discussion here on talking far far away for quite some time because that that's what this show is really all about uh, it's what scott really likes to push forward with the main concept of this show is the canon content everything that's associated with building this universe through the books and into the films. At what point do we say to ourselves, and Christian mentioned this, it's like, okay, so you're going to task the responsibility of these people holding the script in their hand, but then they don't have the ultimate responsibility of being on set and helping to manipulate some of the characters in the situations. My point at that is, okay, so let's say Claudia Gray, all right? Let's say with Bloodline. All right. There's a lot of development with Leia in that book. 
there's a lot of backstory in terms of her relationship and people finding out, you know, her her ways in the Force and that her father was Vader and that it really kind of propels that character in the direction where maybe some people don't really trust her. Um, also, I think you have to also see somebody like uh, Jason Fry with The Last Jedi um, and the novel that he's done. Um, again, it's been reported, and I'm not going to spoil it for people who haven't read it yet, but there are elements of that novel where there are things that happen towards the beginning and as you move on that were kind of, you know, should have been played out cinematically, I feel. It would have been a great added element to the films. At what point do we say, okay, Jason Fry needs to be on set. He needs to be there. He needs to be part of this process. Claudia Gray, give her a freaking film. Give her some format because she knows how to write these books. She understands Star Wars. Jason Fry understands Star Wars. There's another guy up there who understands Star Wars that goes by the name of Chuck Wendig. That Empire's End. The last book in the Aftermath series. It sold me on that time period. We need to find a way to get these people on set in the script and finding a way to manipulate the script so that these novels are universal and the characters carry forth the same acts and the same attitudes and the same perspectives all the way around. I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, I just don't think there's anybody there who is able to do that. Unless there's one man, and Harlow's totally right, Ken's totally right with that. It's Dave Lowen. Yeah, he needs to be the architect over. It. He needs to be the Kevin Feige. Even though Kathleen Kennedy says the books, the comics, the TV shows, everything will connect with the movies, it doesn't. It just doesn't yet. And I think Dave Lowen would be the perfect guy to make sure that happens because he would want stuff that is in the books to appear in the movies. Just don't, also, just don't do books that are set, like, a month before the movie, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, like, Catalyst. Yeah, we kind of got, we kind of got a bit of the Saw Gerrera relationship, but that book, to me, and to you, and to everybody who read it, explained the, uh, uh, Galen Urso and Krennic. Yeah. It's backstory. Didn't feel like that in the movie. No. Um, it just didn't feel like that at all. But I was like to myself, well, I understand where that relationship comes from, that relationship. And then when Jen mentions uh, her relationship with Saw, we got that in Rebel Rising. Yes. So, but that was set after, that came out after the movie. Mm -hmm. So to me, that made the, the book so much more better. Yeah. Because I understood it better. But yeah, it, there's nothing in the comics that I've known yet that's kind of been put in the movies. I mean, Shattered Empire came out right around The Force Awakens, actually before that. It came out in August 2015. Yeah, that's right. Not once mentioned in the book in The Last Jedi. Not any mention of it at all. No, there was nothing. There was no. absolutely nothing. There was nothing to mention about Poe's parents in the last year. Oh, right? Yeah. So, this is where I'm kind of getting a bit frustrated. What is the point of reading the canon stuff? Because it does connect with Rebels. It has yeah. connected with Rebels. But what's the point of, as fans reading it, taking it all in, to then watch the movie and go, 
that doesn't work. Yeah. And does it come to the point where it will contradict what's been written? Because it can happen. Um, and actually, I'll go back to that. A number of years ago, first when Jedi Collider, Jedi, okay, it was actually AFC Jedi, because you got me good. Really <laughs> <about this. laughs> um, Oops. Can't, I know you are. Uh, Campa even, even said that. He said that if they were going to do this, it will come to a point where it contradicts itself. Yeah. Yeah. Is this going to be a worrying case that it will contradict itself if they don't connect the movies with the comics and the books and the games? If you're paying, let me say this too, Scott. If you're paying the money, if you're paying the money to get access to canon content, get these great comic book artists, get some of these great comic book writers um, onto these projects, that is the biggest thing I feel is that are you cash grabbing from us at that point? Are yeah. you trying to find little bits and pieces where the fans can therefore empty their wallets out to you? I get concerned about that sometimes because. And I don't want to make it sound like we're getting gypped, but at the same time, in a way, it's almost like, what do we... <laughs> exactly, I know. Scott, Scott your, your wallet's always empty because you're spending it on hot toys. Um, <laughs> I know we can't be saying that. Um, but at the same time, I feel that there are, there are bits and pieces where um, I get a little concerned. And I go to the comic book store, and I love Stairway to Heaven Comics here in Portsmouth, and I love Brad, and I support... Their comic book store all the way. Then I see the variant cover sitting there, and then I start seeing some of these other little things that are like five ninety nine, six ninety nine, associated with these comic books sitting there. And I get to the point of okay, so I'm buying the story, but you're also marketing a different cover to me that has the same story in it for three dollars more. And I start asking myself, I'm like, okay, where, where, where is the end game here, Star Wars? Where is the end game with the content? If you're not going to bridge it into the films right away, and you're looking for me to spend $3.99, $4.99, which makes it tough on the comic book stores when you start raising it a dollar at a time. Because it makes it tough for them to keep that product in. I've, I've been to many comic book stores where they say, you know what, I'm sorry, Robin, we can't fulfill this order for this, this, this month. You know, right now we've, we've already booked this many Marvel comics or DC Rebirth comics or whatever they are, Image Comics. And we just don't have the funds right now to go and purchase a five ninety nine comic book or a four ninety nine comic book for you, and have it be that exclusive. That starts getting concerning, and I think my overall message with that is is that okay. At what point do we say, okay, it's the films, it's not the books, it's not the comics. There's an end game there, and it's scary because you and I are big fans of the comic books, big fans of the books and big fans of everything that's involved within the canon content. But as people who review these comic books and people who really dig deep into the stories, like many of you out there, I get concerned and I say, okay, I'm spending my hard-earned cash on canon content that's not going to infiltrate the main story. And that is a Debbie Downer for me. I can't do that. I, I'm sorry. I just cannot invest in that. And I don't mean to sound negative. Because I am the most less negative person that you'll find in this galaxy far, far away. Alright? But, when you start giving me content that does not connect, or I can't piece it together, or Scott and I can't sit down and piece it together where it fits into the equation, 
then I, I, I just can't invest into that. And that's my message overall. And I think, Scott, it leaves us with a, the conversation of where do we go from here? What, 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 what message can we send to Lucasfilm, to the producers that are putting all this together, the people behind the scenes that's like, okay, the fans really want you to find these connections here and there. Start bridging it. Yeah. That's my message. Start bridging it together. Yeah. Because it's going to come to a point where I'm saying that I've had enough. Mm-hmm. Because I'm I'm not seeing I'm not seeing the results of it. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I mean, let's just say it this way: Marvel they're pretty bad at the moment because they have Agent of Shield, but it's never referenced. Right. In the movies, mm-hmm. you've got. Uh, Daredevil, Luke Cage, The Punisher, Jessica Jones, and Iron Fist. Season two of Jessica Jones stuff, right there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well done, well done. Um, they're all in their own wee world, not mentioned Agents of Shield, and it's not mentioned in the movies. Yeah. Um, I can understand why The Punisher. If you watch Punisher, that is brutal. Yeah. I, I would watch. I would not let a, a six-year-old kid watch Punisher. <laughs> Uh, not after the, the season finale, um, but anyway, let's get off track. But my 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 example of just the MCU and their television series is they don't connect. Mm-hmm. And if Star Wars do the very same and are not connecting that, what is the point? I don't want to be a Debbie Downer myself, but I will just end up stop, stop doing it, stop reading it. Yeah. Because we're not going to see a result and you are going to come to the point where you are going to start contradicting your own material. That's scary. That is scary because it, Doctor Who is a prime example. Doctor Who contradicts its own history constantly. Yeah. But the problem with that is it's a 50-year-old show mm-hmm. that's had many writers, many uh, producers, many people who have been in charge of Doctor Who. And, I mean... For example, Rusty Davis got rid of the, the Time War, the Time Wars were gone. Mm-hmm, that's right. And then Stephen Moffat brings it back. Yeah. So, and made some comebacks. So, it, it, it's very contradictory. I mean, the doctor says he's 1,000 years old. He's 500 years old. Again, and it's, it's just this little bit, but it's little bits you follow. And well, that doesn't make that doesn't make sense to me. Oh, you can't um, be doing that. That's not a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just I do worry. I do worry, and I think Rebels right now is the only one that's not part of the movies. It's part of the TV universe. They've connected the Clone Wars with Rebels yeah. in a fantastic way this last season, mm-hmm. definitely, especially. Um, Oh, what's the name of the episode? Where is it the two worlds? What's the yeah, world? Uh, oh. a world between worlds. Worlds, yeah, where they connect the the sister, the father, and the oh, son. Fantastic. Which is connected uh, with Clone Wars. Um, which, by the way, yeah. you can listen to on Rebels Recap right now on iTunes. Ah, <laughs> oh, see what you did there. Ah, no money. The public gets the Any money. Should do that much for story. Yeah, don't do uh, that. that. I mean, the only one that did it is the comics and the boots connect. Princess Leia comic did connect with Bloodline because yeah. of what happened. The books do it. It's just the movies don't do it. 
I, I, I want to keep doing it. I want to keep reading. They just need to do it a lot better. Because it's Kathleen Kennedy that says it all connects. If she's not caring, that is a very, very concern to me and to you and to everybody who does this. Blanket statements. That's one thing that we don't take very lightly here at BrickCityBlockade.com Podcast Network. Um, you got to define what it is. You got to define if you're going to say that it's going to connect. Well, in what ways is it going to connect? In what ways are you going to be able to present new content? Also coming off of Star Wars Rebels now, which ways are you going to present these characters? We're talking about more canon content, Scott. That was what we led this episode off with. How are you going to be able to take these stories and bridge them with more stuff heading forward? Who knows? Who knows? Well, hopefully they will figure that out. Yes. And hopefully as more movies. We do have more movies to come. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they'll connect that. We do have Ryan Johnston's movies. We do have John Farrow's TV show. We yeah. do have the guys from Game of Thrones who are doing movies. So, and let's not forget the guys from Game of Thrones might be able to do it better because they do do it well with their TV show. They That's connect true. everything. So, well, I think we can wrap that episode up. Yeah. Unless there's anything I missed, I don't think there. So, just uh just rebels is over. So, Mr. Fold, where can the good people find you across this world of social media? Oh, but you didn't say it. You didn't say what we always say. Oh, I forgot. Oh. Oh, my head's all over the place. It's been a long day. It's been a long day. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 no, wait, 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 wait. What time is the, the show? Is it? It's motor time. It's, oh, that's an interesting <laughs> way of putting it. Yeah, it's uh, plug time. <laughs> time. Here at the BrickCityBlockade.com podcast network. Uh, so, got it. Where can they find you, Robin? Oh, well, they can find me over on Twitter at MrVoteTweets and on over at Instagram at the official vote, and also make sure to send me that little friend request over on Facebook so you guys can see what's going on with the votester himself. The votester, is that what you're calling yourself? No, it's a terrible name. I just came up with something on the spot. Please do not take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> no. Unless you guys want to hear what you think about the canon. Yeah. So go over to the Facebook page, leave a comment, and tell us what you think because we want to get this discussion started. That's and right. we want to know, we want to get opinions out there so please please leave messages uh, you can find me on facebook at scott Inge, yep and twitter at scott Inge 85 and yeah and the, who knows i just want more content but i want it to connect yeah and, and the thing is is that you know the fans are lucky enough if they want more content they can also head on over to www.brickcityblockade.com for everything happening at galaxy Far, far away. I almost said Alexi. I don't know what an Alexi is. We're going to try that again some other time. Oh, you know what that is? Okay. We'll just leave it at that. If Scott knows what it is, then we're just going to leave it alone. www.brickcityblockade.com for everything happening in a galaxy far, far away. Also, head on over to iTunes. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and comment. You know the spiel. Do it across all those great podcasting apps. And also, please make sure to head on over to TeePublic. I just uploaded our Welcome to the Network design. We're really excited about that one. That one's got the Tatooine Sunset. For all those who love the BrickCityBlockade.com podcast network, $14 for a limited time, so make sure to pick up one of yours today. Oh my god, it's still TV adverts. Oh my god! (laughs) (laughs) And so, for myself, Mr. Scott Ange, and Mr. Robin Vogt, may the force be with you. Always. And sometimes, well, 
Yes. Yes. And maybe some other time as well. Always. Are you sure you want to say always? Always. Okay. Always. Enjoy.